Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to encourage and inspire you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. I encourage you to take a moment and follow or like this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you won't miss the stories of any of my amazing guests. You know, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 in the New Living Translation says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The Bible, the word of God, is powerful. And my guest, Darlene Davis, has been corrected and taught and prepared and equipped by the word of God. And she has experienced the wonderful benefits and blessings of following the Lord for many, many years. I've known Darlene since I was young. She and her husband, Bill, and their entire family were part of the same fellowship group as my family. She has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in her life, and she's overcome by the Spirit of God. Darlene is a powerful and transparent minister, a lover of people, a servant of God, a wife, a mom, and a grandma. And over the years, she has shared biblical truth in a relevant way at marriage seminars, to women's groups, and in a variety of Christian conferences. You'll be surprised and blessed by what you hear. I know it. Welcome, Darlene. Thank you, Jody, for having me on. I'm just honored to be here. Darlene, life was kind of tough for you when you were growing up, but you had a praying grandmother. Uh, tell us a little bit about her and uh, how you came to know she was praying for you. When I was about 37 years old, I had my youngest son, Kent, and he was in a four-year-old kindergarten. And I would pick him up every day and go and visit my grandmother. She was in a nursing home, and I asked her one day if she would please give me some of my heritage, my Christian heritage, because she was a godly woman, and so this was the first story that she shared with me, and I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I am so glad that she shared it with me now. She said that my mother and father and my brother and sister had come out to visit out in the country in Plant City. They were on a strawberry farm, and my mother was eight months pregnant with me. She said that she was standing at the back door looking out of the screen at my brother and sister running around with the chickens. And my father came up behind her and said, Mabel, I want you to know that those kids out there don't mean any more to me than the chickens are running around with. My grandmother was devastated, she said. And so she said that she prayed for me in the womb like she's never had prayed for a grandchild before. And I attribute that to God watching over me my whole life. He was with me in the womb when I was knit together, and he has been with me up until today. Well, that is a really godly heritage. But, you know, when you were born, life wasn't really easy. Um, Your father ended up abandoning the family. So, Tell us about some of the struggles uh, of your family in those early days and and how that actually opened the door for you to be introduced to Jesus. Well, like you said, Jody, my father did abandon my mother with the three children, and life was very difficult. My mother had to work one full-time job, two part-time jobs, and she even 
mowed neighbors' lawns on weekends to have enough money to support three children. One of her jobs happened to be at a bar a block from our house, and I was about eight years old, and we would play in the back room of this bar, and when we got hungry, we'd come and sit at the bar, and she'd fix us a hot dog or a hamburger. Well, back then, air conditioning was not the thing. And so the doors were open to this bar and a Mrs. Dot Walker lived across the street with her husband and two children. And she would see me sitting up at the bar eating and she was just so concerned. So she went over and asked my mom if I could go to church with her. And my mom said yes. And so at eight years old, I started going to church with Mrs. Walker. I loved it. I can remember my Sunday school class when I was eight years old. Mrs. Hicks, Mrs. Nell Hicks was my Sunday school teacher and a mentor in my life. And she would end our little Sunday school class singing a little chorus into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my life, Lord Jesus. And I remember the Sunday morning at eight years old that I sang that song and knew that I had asked Jesus into my heart. Well, I remained in the church. I went all the time. If the doors were open and I could get a ride, I was there. And as I become a teenager, I was always there. And I had my two best friends, Kathy and Joe Lynn. And we did a lot of stuff together. And I would spend time at their house with their families. And I got to see what it was like having a Christian family. They didn't fight like we fought. (laughs) They didn't do anything like we did. And I wanted one of those myself. So I asked the Lord through the years as I was at their house and I would witness godly communication and things among the family. I'd say, God, I really do want one of these one day. And he always remembered. I asked him that even though I didn't remember You know, that happens, (laughs) but he's faithful, isn't he? Once you made that decision to follow Christ, you saw him protecting you, even at a young age. I mean, it was your your grandmother's prayers and your decision to follow Christ. And uh, tell us about how you saw him protecting and guiding you, even at a young age. When I was um, about 12, I believe, 12 or 13, my mother married an alcoholic. And um, life was pretty difficult. And he was really a nice man if he was not drinking. And I knew he loved me. But he drank every day after work and then on weekends. So there was very little time that he was not drunk. And he was what people call a mean drunk. I would go up to him and say, please, please stop drinking. Don't drink so much or don't go to the bar and spend all your paycheck. And he would get angry with me. And I can remember him picking up a wrought iron dinette chair. Y'all olders might remember that. And it didn't have rubber tips on the ends. And he tried to run me through with that. And one day, and I, I escaped, I ran away. And I remember saying, wow, God, you're amazing. You just saved me from that. And I said, I have to be your favorite. And my whole life, growing up as a young person, I honestly thought I was God's favorite. And he was always there to rescue me 
from, I would go to try to drag him out of a bar down the street on Fridays. So he wouldn't spend all the money and um, he would get real angry and I would run. <laughs> but, <laughs> but God was faithful. He always uh, let me get away. Also, I was in a lot of different things that I could have made a big mistakes in my life and God always stepped in and saved me from that. I can look back at my, my younger years too. And, and the same thing, you know, stupid mistakes that we make when we're young. Uh, we love the Lord, but we're just not quite uh, following every path that he would have us on. And I, I, I can remember many times when I was so thankful God's hand of mercy was on me when he very easily could have sent judgment <laughs> instead. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, Darlene, because your mom taught you to be self-reliant, when you graduated from high school, you went right into the workforce. Um, and at that time, you were still really active in your church. In fact, you got active in your church right away when you became a, a believer. Mm -hmm. um, so what were some of those tough decisions and life-altering choices that you had to make in your early 20s? And how did you decide what path to take? My mother, because she was left by my father, she raised me that there was not a man on the face of the earth that you could trust. And so you have to be able to uh, take care of yourself. So during the summers when other people were running around and doing things, she sent us to sewing school, me and my sister, sewing one. The next year, advanced sewing, uh, typing, shorthand, bookkeeping. We were not allowed to just laze around. And when we were home, we were doing chores, scrubbing floors, baseboards cleaned every Saturday. I mean, just, she was, she was amazing. She wanted to make sure we were, we were fit and trained. She was amazing. So I worked and I did a little modeling and I saw in the newspaper that there was a call for people to come and try out to be uh, Jackie Gleason girls. Now that's another one. You have to be really old to know what a Jackie Gleason girl is. But anyway, I went to try out and um, they hired me. So I went to sign the contract and my mother said, now, Darlene, you read that contract because you're going to be signing something that you legally are going to have to stick to. So I went in and he just thought I would sign it because it was a lucrative job. And uh, I would only have to move to Miami because that's where the show was. But I read it and it said that I had to smoke because any of you oldies would know that the Jackie Gleason girls walked around in back of him on his uh, variety show and they had these long cigarette things that they were smoking. And I said, oh, I, I can't sign these because I don't smoke and I cannot smoke. He said, well, oh, you just have to pretend. And I said, oh, no, I can't do that. They'll think I'm smoking. And my mother thinks that's the worst sin in the world. I just can't do it. So I walked out of there and I did not uh, take that job. And I just thank God for that, how he intervened, how that would have probably wrecked my life. But then again, my praying grandmother, she had prayed for my protection my whole life. And, and God was doing that. And he was protecting me. And you also were in a relationship with a young man uh, heading toward marriage. That was a hard decision to make as well. Tell us about that. We dated five years 
and we were engaged the last one or two, I had never heard the scripture of not being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And so I just thought when we got married, he'd come to church with me, but he would not go to church with me before that. Maybe once I can maybe remember him and my mother came once with me to church, but that was it. And, um, that relationship I talk about in a little bit and how it came to an end when I'm giving the rest of my testimony, we were, you know, headed to marriage, but God intervened again. That whole time period, it was kind of during the Jesus movement, this Jesus revolution movie that is out now. Um, it was that t- same time frame. Um, and during that time, there was a really great hunger for the Lord in our nation. And youth in your church were no exception. So you would take them to hear various evangelists and Christian speakers that came to town. And you ended up actually uh, marrying one of those speakers. And how now, did this that is happen? a story, Jody. <laughs> well, I'm at church all the time, like I said, and by now I'm in my uh, early 20s, maybe at this time, maybe I'm 23, 24, and I was getting all my teenage girls. I had them uh, in my class, my Sunday school class, and I had uh, some of them I'm in contact with today that you know, I have Debbie and Patty and Rhonda that we still are friends and I visit and see them. So it was a lasting thing with the Lord that we built. So I'm at a youth revival with my girls. And this denomination that I was a part of had a big youth revival, even though we were a small church, a youth revival at the end of the school year to keep you charged up for the Lord until the fall, because there wasn't any curriculum that you went by. And so uh, I went the first night with my girls and this man that's leading the, he's a young man and he starts out singing choruses and clapping hands. And in my denomination, you did not clap your hands and you didn't sing it unless it was in the hymnal. And so I was a little put off by that, but I said, I, I can handle it. So then this, the man who came to speak all week said, I have a young man with me that has a fabulous testimony. He's a recent friend of mine. And for this first night, he's going to be here to share this testimony. He introduced Bill Davis. So Bill Davis gets up and he shares his testimony, which was mortifying to me, me that has never had a cigarette unlit in my mouth. And here this man gets up and said he robbed banks, that he was a hundred dollar a day heroin addict, that he was in prison and jail four and a half years. I was, I thought, my goodness, he is disgusting. And so after he finished sharing, he was standing at the front. And so I decided, I've got all these girls. I look like I you know, have some type of leadership, I better go and say something to him. So I went up and shook his hand and I said, I was impressed with your testimony. And he said, I didn't give my testimony to impress anyone, but to lead them closer to Jesus. I thought, oh my goodness, he is disgusting. And so I decided I would not go back the rest of the week. 
if this is the kind of meeting we're going to have. So I went home, tried to go to sleep. I could not sleep. And um, I used to go to sleep really easily. So I tried, you know, all the typical counting sheep, doing everything. And all of a sudden I said, I know what I'll do. I'll read my Bible. I always fall asleep when I read my Bible. (laughs) So I just did one of those where you just open it up and it opened up to the second chapter of Acts. And I said, why did I open up to that? I just taught a few months ago this to my Sunday school class. All of this is not for today, but I could not go to sleep. And I said, okay, Lord, if you'll let me go to sleep, I'll go back tomorrow night. I'll go the rest of the week to the revival. Closed my eyes and went right back to sleep. But I had said, please give me a peace. So I walk in with my girls the next night and I had a piece about it. And it was good because Bill Davis was not there. So we had great services. And um, I noticed that Jim and Donna Kay, who were the music and youth leaders, were by the end of the week, they were really, or the middle of the week, they were just full of joy. They're always great, but they just seemed more joyful. And I said, what in the world happened to y'all? And they said, well, we were, Monty prayed for us and we were baptized in the Holy Spirit last night. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, you're going to lose your job, which they did not too long after that. But I became, I had this godly jealousy. I wanted that. I mean, I've always loved the Lord, but I wanted that joy that I did not have, that extra joy to come along with it. And so I kept going to the meetings and the last night of the revival, Monty had a friend named Kenny Graham, who lived over in Clearwater. I think he was 17 at the time, almost 18. And I think he was a senior. And so he came over to the meeting so he could see Monty. So I'm up at the front of the church. I did not know Kenny. I'd never seen him before in my life. And he walks up to the front of the church and he said to me, God sent me here tonight to tell you if you marry the man you're engaged to, you'll be unequally yoked and he will not bless your home. I have to tell you, that was powerful. I did not know what a word of knowledge was, but I didn't need to know because the Spirit of God lived within me, and I knew that was truth. I immediately broke my engagement, and that's a long story. I won't go through that, but it was just me and Jesus, and I was just going to get everything that I could. I heard that uh, Monty was going to be, two weeks later, was going to be speaking in um, Lakeland at Lakeland First Assembly and then Carpenter's Home. And I went and I was the first one up there when they asked if anybody wanted the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was an awesome time in my life. I don't know if what I would have done if I had not had all of my friends and the people at that church because they all my life were there for me. They loved me. I don't know if they particularly liked the new me <laughs> because I was a little bit radicalized. But anyway, that is what I was then. So I'm at home and I'm reading the newspaper and I see that Bill Davis is going to be in town again giving his testimony. And I thought, wow, I did not know that he had been in Atlanta with Kenny Graham preaching in the streets of Atlanta. On Peachtree Street, they saw miraculous things happen. So this was like Jody said, we're talking in the early 70s, late 60s, and God was on the move. And while he's driving back to Tampa to speak that night at the church, I was going to go hear him. Kenny's driving and the Lord spoke to Bill's innermost being and said, 
I'm going to introduce you to your wife tonight. And Bill said, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. All this is going on quietly inside. And Kenny says, about five or ten minutes later, Bill, God just told me he's going to introduce you to your wife tonight. And he said, oh, no, God is going to get me back for all those people I robbed, all those drugs I took. He's going to give me the meanest, ugliest woman on the face of the earth. Thank you, God. So he got to the meeting that night and he said he did not scan the audience to see who his bride was because it was uh, really powerful. About 40 children, their young people gave their heart to the Lord. It was really powerful. And when he got off of the stage coming down, I was going to go up to him and see if he, now I heard it totally different. This time I heard it knowing that God doesn't just save you. He can deliver you and set you free. Yeah, so the reason you had thought he was gross is because you didn't really believe he could change that much, right? Did not have a clue that you could change like that. Did not know that. And he was coming down the aisle, and I'm walking towards him to see if he remembered me. (laughs) Which was miraculous in itself, huh? (laughs) As he's coming down the aisle, I see him do these funny arm movements, and he told me later he was saying yes, because the Lord pointed me out and said, that is your wife. And so um, I talked with them and I I wasn't very spiritual of the gifts. And so everyone says, well, what did God say to you? Well, I don't know. (laughs) It was just in a daze, you know, I just come out of a five-year relationship. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was just kind of um, numb. So I met him that night. He asked if I could come to a pancake house and have coffee with them. And so I said, yes, but I'm bringing all my girls. So I was scared to go meet him by myself. I called all their mothers and asked if they could go with me (laughs) to the restaurant and then I'd bring them home. And they trusted me and they said, yes. And so we had an hour wait because he was going bar preaching with Monty. They were going to bars. He would stand up on the stage and give his story. And he said, drunks come to the Lord easily. So while he's doing that, I'm at Jim and Donnake's house at the church parsonage, and I wept and wept for the whole time, and I had not a clue why. I asked the Lord many years later why I wept like that, and he said, you were raised by a single mom, you were independent, and you were going to be meeting a man that you need to have that independence broken away, and so God just broke a whole bunch of You know, he didn't make me totally not independent, but he just had to take away some ideas and things that had been instilled in me. At the restaurant, he said, I'm going to be in Sarasota speaking tomorrow. Can you come down? I'm going to be speaking at another youth revival. And I said, yeah, I guess. I'm uh, geographically challenged. And so I, and back then they didn't have GPS and Google Maps and, you know, it was, uh, okay, you go on this highway and then you take a left there and a right there and, and I made it. So after the meeting, it was really awesome. All these young people gave their heart to the Lord and we were at Nanti's fiance's house, Susan, and Bill is sitting on the floor and I'm up on the couch and he turned around to me and he said, will you marry me? And this is Saturday. I had met him the day before. And I said, yes. So, yeah. So you became the wife of a traveling evangelist, which, I mean, that might seem glamorous and it might even seem, you know, holy and godly uh, to some, but, but reality is, is a bit different. What were those 
first years like? I mean, you barely knew each other. You're getting to know one another and, um, and, and your backgrounds were quite different. So what was that like? I, and, you know, everybody asks me why, and I, and I can't really tell you except that God orchestrated my life. He knows our beginnings from the end. And, but we did not get married for four months. But I, we don't recommend this to anyone. <laughs> you need to get to know each other and uh, get to know who it is that you're going to be marrying. And we didn't. And it led to a lot of problems. I don't know how I, we made it through that from June till November when we got married. He was out on the road ministering. So we only saw each other 17 days. How do you get to know somebody in 17 days? Things going to change. That's right. It was really difficult, but God was faithful. When we first got married, Bill, on our honeymoon, something happened and he got really angry. And I had never seen that during our 17 days of courtship in that fort. And, uh, He thought when God delivered him from everything else, he had delivered him from anger, but he had not. And so life was pretty, now Bill never ever has physically attacked me or hit me or anything like that, but he was just angry and would say mean things. And so I was working at a bank at this time and he was associate pastor. This was before he started traveling, ministering, and he was associate pastor at a church and Uh, since I worked, I would leave the services right when they were over and he would stay sometimes an hour or two to minister to people. And so I went home and one night I'm in, this is towards the end of the first year of our marriage, probably. And I was in bed sound asleep. He came home from church and he was angry. He woke me up out of a dead sleep, hollering at me and I was, I was scared and I'm not, I'm a really pretty together person, but when you're woken up out of a dead sleep, you know, you just kind of react. And, um, he was really angry. And I said, Lord, would you please shut him up? Well, God is faithful. Bill Davis fell over on our bed like a dead man. His legs were even stiff out in the air. And his eyes were closed and I jumped up off that bed and I said, oh, Lord, I just told you to shut him up, not kill him. And I I really thought he was dead. And then all of a sudden his eyes opened, but he could not open his mouth to speak one word. And I had a steno pad and a pencil on my dresser or pen and I held it up and he wrote, Darlene, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk to you that way. And then he closed his eyes and his legs were still out, sticking off the bed, up straight. And I heard him say, Lord, is that you? So he went into a vision and I didn't know anything about this stuff. I was still petrified, but I was so thrilled he was shut up. And so I'm standing there and I hear him say, Lord, is that you? And then I hear him say, oh, I'd love to hold your hand. And so Bill's hand went up in the air and it was clasped his fingers down like he was holding someone's hand. And everywhere they walked, his feet were moving like he was walking. And the Lord showed him many things in heaven. He showed him and he showed him all he had for him. You know, all of us that are followers of Jesus, 
God has things for our futures, but it's our choice whether we choose to follow what he has for us. And so the Lord showed him what he had for him and showed him lots of things. And um, at the end, I hear Bill saying, no, Lord, I, I can't see who that is. Can you bring them closer? And then he says, I still can't tell, but she's beautiful and she's dressed in white. Can you bring her closer? So all of a sudden, Bill began to weep and he said, oh, Lord, that's Darlene and she's beautiful. And the Lord spoke to him. Now, Bill had to tell me what the Lord said because I could not hear. They had a closed conversation. So he told me what was going on when he came out of this uh, vision. The Lord said, this is the wife that I've given you and you have mistreated her. And I don't desire that in your life any longer. And Bill began to weep and cry. And he, um, the Lord dropped his hand and he sat up and he said, Lord, my heart is so hard. Will you please help me? And you know, any of us, when we cry out help to the Lord, he answers that because we are saying to him, I can't do anything without you. And that's what he's waiting for, to come alongside and help us. And so I saw Bill put his arms out straight and he said that the Lord had a sword on fire and he came and pierced his heart and Bill let out a, a loud holler scream. And the Lord spoke to him and said, tonight is the beginning. And one day you will be able to love Darlene the way I want you to love her. Well, he came out of the vision. He told me everything. And I thought, wow. And that action had some consequences for your, for your family and for your life. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're in the, uh, what is it? The drive through lane of, we want everything when, you know, somebody in front of you is ordering too much. You'd think, Oh, what are they doing? Ordering everything in the store. And, and I mean, we, everybody wants everything right now. And, so I thought I had it right now. Well, the next day he went back to being an angry man. And I never, for nine more years, I never told him he was an angry man. I didn't get in a fight about it. I just clammed up and took it all within and resented him. I was angry. By then he is pastoring a church. Before we left that church, though, I was pregnant with our firstborn. We were in a church, I guess you would call it hyper faith. They're Christians, but it was cultish. And you know, it's heresy. Heresy is truth extended. You just take something and you run with it. And my, I was pregnant and the church would not let me go to the hospital. They would not let Bill take me. They kept anointing me with oil. Finally, my mother called to see how I was doing. And I had this amazing, amazing mother. I blessed. And uh, she came over. She was at the mall. She called on a payphone, no cell phones back then, and said, Darlene, I can't get you off my mind. How are you? So I told her about what pain I was in. And she said, why isn't Bill taking you to the hospital? And I said, well, they just keep praying for me. And they believe if God doesn't heal me, it's just our time to go. And my mother was, she should have taken about 30 or 40 minutes to get there. She was there in about 15 to 20. She got me in the car. She took me into the hospital. The doctors came in. Within 30 minutes, my appendix would have ruptured if I had not gone in. Another time, my grandmother's prayers that God has been faithful to me. 
Yeah, you got actually got kicked out of your parsonage while you were in the hospital and pregnant. It was really bad. We were really shunned. We lived in the pastorium. It was a Christmas Eve service, and the pastor disfellowshipped us right there and said, Bill disobeyed God and took me to the hospital. I had to stay there eight days because they had to put so much anesthetic because I was four and a half months pregnant. And back then they didn't have all the high tech stuff to know exactly where the baby was at. Afterwards, I'm in the hospital and the day afterwards, and they haven't even found Shelly's heartbeat yet. And I'm a mess. And I'd get calls from people in the church saying, have you asked God what horrible thing you did for him to do this to you? I lost all my faith for a long time because of words that were spoken. It was a very painful time, but God provided and uh, we had an apartment. And so eight days later, Bill had us in an apartment. Friends helped. It was um, a, a difficult time, but another one of those times that God is faithful. He got us through it. You talk about being heard and you lost your faith for a while. And, and you know, how, how did you get through that, though, Darlene? Really? I mean, your husband was a minister, and and you were treated this poorly by supposed believers. I mean, they did love the Lord, I guess. You know, they were just uh, very religious, not not loving, misguided. And and how did God bring you through that, Jody? He was uh, just so kind to us. I mean, we started a little church with the people that l- left, and you know, um, and I financially. I don't know how we got through it, but we made it through and God just healed us along the way. We left there and we got into another misguided church and uh, it was called shepherding. If anyone has been in shepherding, you know that sometimes it might sound easy. You just let your overseers make all your decisions, whether you can afford to buy a washing machine or go on a vacation. I mean, it was crazy. And uh, so when we finally got ready and we left that church and moved back to Tampa because we were ostracized from there too. We were because Bill would not go along with what they were teaching anymore. So Bill was so hurt and devastated that we didn't go to church for nine months. I had gone to church my whole life and I had two little girls and I had just had Seth and I was sending my children to Sunday school with the neighbors One day I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, I just really am having a hard time not going to church and fellowshipping. And I said, what do I need to do? And he said, you need to repent because no one held a gun to your head and caused you to change your allegiance from me to man. Oh, I I spoke to the Lord and repented and uh, asked him to forgive me. And then I went to Bill. And he received that from me. He repented. And we were back in church right away. We just, we were healed. You have developed godly relationships over the years, deep friendships with godly people. And these these two instances of yours were deviations of that. Um, but, you know, a lot of people have experiences similar to yours, maybe not quite to the extent, but they're hurt and wounded uh, by people in the church or by the church itself. Um, and it, it can, like it shook your faith. It can shake people's faith and wound them so much that they actually walk away from the Lord altogether. Uh, what, what would you, what do you say to, to those, the people who've been wounded and hurt by the church, Darlene? I mean, you obviously were and, and, but you didn't turn your back on God. No. And you know, I didn't mention that through a lot of those, uh, 
hard times. Uh, your mother was a dear friend of mine, and I could call her and not say a word and just say, Mary, will you pray? And so I know that your mom prayed me through a lot of this. And I had other friends that were praying, but she was my confidant. It's hard to find a confidant these days, but Mary was my confidant. I would say to you that if you're looking to man other people, you're going to be hurt. Jesus is the only one, the only way that you can make it through this life. I mean, because when people hurt you, the enemy sets us up. So if you're out there and you've been set up like in marriage, you know, um, things aren't working out like you wanted them to. You have unfulfilled expectations. We go into all of the situations in our lives with expectations. And when they are unfulfilled, we can make some crazy mistakes. You know, um, I know so many uh, friends and they said, well, you know, I don't like the way it's going. I'm I'm just going to leave them. This isn't what I bought into. Well, you know, I didn't buy into what I went through. But God, he, you know, that Corinthians scripture, this is, I love in Second um, Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. And Paul talks about all the hard times that he went through. And all of those things that he went through, he turned it around, he said, for it to be an encouragement that he could be whatever he needed to be to anybody else going through that same situation. And that's where I like to put myself in that. And I think of a scripture that you had on the top of your um, website and that when I went on, I loved it. Proverbs fourteen twenty five: a true witness rescues lives. That's what I want to do. I want to rescue people that are hurting and people that, uh, you know, they're about to give up. I want to be there for them and tell them you're going to make it. So Darlene, all this time, you know, this is still early in your marriage and Bill was still an angry man. You still were encountering that anger and uh, it was, it was pretty miserable. So how did you get through that? And, and you definitely saw God working in your lives, but of course, it wasn't necessarily when you meant kind of mentioned when you wanted it to to be over. Uh, but finally, it was over. Tell that story because it's pretty remarkable. I went to a Bible study with all my dear friends now. We all went. Joanne Kent wrote amazing Bible study for years. And um, I went to the leaders meeting and then we had our groups later on in the week. I always got great answers because I love studying the word, but the unforgiveness and the hate that I had for my husband overtook me. And I could not even concentrate when I was doing my Bible study and I'd get to the class and here everybody would have these great answers. And I'd say, Oh my Lord, God, why aren't you speaking to me anymore? What do I need to do? And he would say, forgive Bill. I say, oh, no, I, I, I can't do that. He has hurt me too much. Go a few more months and go back to him again, hoping that he had forgot what he told me the first time. Lord, what do I need to do to hear from you again? And he said, forgive Bill. And it took the third time for him to uh, to do that for me. And 
to get through to me. So I said, okay, God, I'm honest with you because you know my heart anyway. I don't feel like doing this, but I'm a lover of your word. And your word says we must forgive. We don't have an option because the enemy wants you in unforgiveness because Man, if you're in unforgiveness with one person, you'll do the next one. It's it's a disease. And so I said, okay, God, I'm going to forgive him. I'm just going to say it. But you know my heart, and I'm trusting you with my heart. And so I asked the Lord to forgive me for an unforgiving spirit. And then I listed, you know, um, the love chapter, I think it's verse 5. It says, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Well, I had an account book. And his name was there and all the big times that I was holding against him um, of things he had said and done to me and to embarrass me at family reunions or whatever. And um, I said, okay, Lord. And I listed all the ones that came to my mind very readily. And then I said, Lord, if there's anything else, I just choose to forgive him of those also. And um, when I finished, I did not feel any different. I didn't feel like now, oh boy, I've forgiven him. I'm restored. Everything's great. That's not the way it happened. But I wasn't looking to that. I was trusting his word. His word is true. And I know if I obey it, he will meet me in magnificent ways. And so I started, if if he said anything or something that would uh, hurt me, immediately inside I'd say, I forgive him. I choose to forgive him. And I, in all the years of the 10 years of our marriage up until then, I was so hurt. I never, ever put my arm around him unless people were around to impress. I never said, and I love you, unless he said, I love you first. And I would just say, I love you too. And... All of a sudden, I'd find my arm around him or I'd find myself saying, I love you, Bill Davis. And it just shocked me because God, he's, he is so honorable. He always honors you if you will trust and do what he says. And because of that, Bill was being loved when he didn't deserve to be loved. He was being forgiven when he didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. And he just started changing. He was turning into the man that I, that I thought I was marrying, but it took 10 years to get there. And so by this time he's out traveling uh, and he'd be gone six to 12 weeks at a time. And I'd be home with our four children, Shelly and Allison and Seth and Kent. And I would be there taking them to their ball games, their practices, you know, everything. He would send me checks in the mail. I remember, um, People would say, oh, I'm so sorry, Darlene. I'll pray for you with him gone so long. And inside I was saying, yes, he's gone for six or 12 weeks. You know what I mean? That that was terrible. So God really had to work on me with the forgiveness. So Bill and I, after I'd gone through what I did that night, forgiving Bill, and, you know, Philippians 4.13 says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that night when he called me to forgive Bill, I stood up and I actually took a step over. I had to physically say I was stepping into Christ Jesus and leaving Darlene over here. And, and that's how I forgave him. I, because I knew through him, I could do anything. So 
He said, okay, Darlene, all these churches I'm speaking at in the Midwest, um, all these ones in Minnesota, they want to have a women's conference and you're going to speak. And I thought, how can I speak? I hate my husband. (laughs) So anyway, even though God was working, he hadn't worked enough. He, that I was wanting to do that. So anyway, I said, okay, we get up there to Minnesota and I'm supposed to speak the next morning. We are in a bedroom with two, maybe double beds, a twin bed for the girls. And, um, we carried a, um, porta crib with us. And I thought, how am I going to study with all of these kids? And all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and it is a Bob and Linda toner. I did not know them, but Bill did. And they said, we came to take your four children so you could study. I just kind of pushed them out the door with a complete stranger. <laughs> they they became very, very dear friends of ours. And um, Bill is getting revelation. He's on one bed. I'm on the other. I'm looking through and I'm trying to work up a message. And it was horrible. I mean, if God doesn't speak something to you, making up something is really the pits. So Bill kept saying, what's he saying to you? He's really speaking to me. And I kept saying nothing. So finally... We, he said, come here a minute. So we stood up and he said, Darlene, why don't you share with all those ladies what it's been like living with an angry man? I have never been so shocked in my life. I said, Bill, you would let me get up there and share what we've gone through? He said, yes. He said, there's probably a lot of other women that live with angry men. And so we held each other and cried for so long. I don't even, I can't tell you how long it was. All I know is we felt this warmth and this like a holy balm just coming over us and healing us. And so I got up the next day and I cried through my testimony and um, God met me in a, a great way. And I started sharing it at marriage seminars and, um, when we do them, we started doing them because God redeemed our marriage. Yeah, and you mentioned that that transparency and that healing, it opened new doors for a marriage ministry for both of you. You learned a lot in those 10 years of marriage. Uh, and even since then, um, what are some of those principles that you lived and that you share about marriage that have that have helped others? Maybe down the road, six months, I share this and people will come up to me, women, and say, with you sharing this all the time, why don't you start unforgiveness and hating them all over again? And I said, you know, that's a great question. I need to ask God. So I asked God and he told me, he said, you remember that night in the hotel room when you felt that warmth all over you? And I said, I will never forget that. I've never experienced anything like it before or after. And he said, I poured a holy anointing oil all over you both. And where there were wounds and scars, I put new flesh. And um, I think the only scars we're allowed to walk around with are like Jesus. You know, the ones that from Jesus, you know, like he had scars and you remember things. But he did not want me thinking of all those terrible times. He wanted me to know I had forgiven and that he gave us a new marriage. And it's amazing what he did. I know I've talked about it, but I can never talk about it too much. But forgiveness is um, is the key. And Bill and I 
say forgiveness is a gift we give each other every day because you know we're going to say something unintentionally or maybe intentionally and we're going to hurt each other and um we need to be a recipient of God's love instead of getting all upset and going back into unforgiveness we just have to you have to be on top of it because in a marriage there's many opportunities i mean i'd mentioned it before but uh unfulfilled expectations i mean all of you out there that are listening and you know your husband's not all he's said he would be and all you just need to continue praying for him never give up praying because god's faithful he is faithful and um words of encouragement bill is a person who encourages but he also needs encouragement i need he's a he's just amazing at helping me and uh he always if i'm down on myself he is an encourager he just kind of turns it all around and makes it for the good and you know with prayer god really ministered to me on that one day after the big bible study that with joanne kent i'm walking to the parking lot and one of the ladies in the bible study stopped me and she said can i talk to you i need some prayer and i said sure so she shared some really horrific things she needed prayer badly she needed god to move in on her and i said to her i'm sorry all i can do is pray for you and i prayed for her i'm walking one way to my car she's walking the other way and all of a sudden the lord pulled the slack right out of me i don't know if you know what that means but he stopped me dead in my tracks and he said what do you mean all you can do is pray for that lady i knew he was not waiting for a response from me and he said when you pray you are talking to the creator of the universe and i am the only one that has an answer for that lady that absolutely changed my entire uh, thinking on prayer prayer is powerful and so if i say and i'm praying with you you can know i'm believing god to move on it i don't know how long it's going to take could be quick maybe it's 10 years like me but i did not give up praying and i know i had friends praying for me and god just came through and just brought us into victory and allows us to share with others to bring encouragement to them and you mentioned to me the other day that uh you know people come up to you and say darlene don't you ever get tired of bill saying i love you and how beautiful you are what a total change from your early marriage right <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly exactly he is, i i almost get embarrassed if we're around people that i know you know midwesterners are not real verbal that way and i don't mean that in, any bad sense because some of our dearest friends are midwesterners but i if i i'll, I'll hit him and i'll say bill don't don't do that in front of this couple you make her feel bad he said well i want to make him feel bad <laughs> that he should be doing it but uh he is he is an encourager and he loves to bless me and take care of me 
He's amazing. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Uh, another aspect of of being in ministry uh, all these years has been living by faith. And, um, you know, you have four kids. And during the school year, Bill was gone frequently on ministry trips. In the summer, you went along with him. But there's no guaranteed salary. I mean, when you're in ministry, you weren't on staff at a church. You didn't, you know, work for a multi-million dollar ministry. It was really living by faith. Once again, it can seem holy and glamorous, but, um, you know, when you're, when you're hanging on to God to pay your bills, uh, you come to a, a, a deep level of intimacy with him. <laughs> how did you do that? Can you, how, how did God provide? Share a story or two. Yes, definitely. I can remember back in the days that Bill would be gone and I know after church on Sunday, he would be sending me a check. But I needed groceries. So I did something which I found out later was illegal and it was called kiting. (laughs) But I would go to the grocery store and buy my checks on Friday, knowing back then they didn't get to your bank right away. So I could get enough food for the kids until Bill's check came to me in the mail. And um, when I think about those days and how he always he always provided and um unexpected places. And we have um, some very faithful supporters that send us money and support our ministry. And uh, we're grateful. They are, they've been doing some of them for years and we are so grateful. And um, I have a, a couple stories to encourage anyone that maybe if you're in ministry and right now it's a little tight, just stick in there and, and do what God's calling you to do. And know that he is going to meet you. Well, about six years ago, six and a half years ago, we got a call. There is a friend that we have, him and his wife. He's a business owner and he lives in the Midwest. And um, he wanted to buy us a home to live in. And of course, when he said that, we, you know, people promise us things and then their deal doesn't come through and we're never upset. I mean, we know their heart. If they had it, they would want to bless us. And so he calls a couple of weeks later, a month later, and he says, Bill, you haven't been sending me any houses to look at. And Bill said, you meant that? You really want to do that? And um, he said, yes. And so I asked Bill to give me the phone and I said, Willis? Bill and I were on a cruise that a doctor and his wife took us on last year. And one of the men from Asia, a pastor, I went to go meet him and I shook his hand and he would not let go of my hand. And I looked at him and he said, you have a red ribbon cutting in your future. And I said, oh, and I'm prophetic, so I don't get real excited. I just kind of hold it in my heart, you know, like Mary. And he said, do you know what that is? And I said, yes. He goes, I'm talking like a new house. So I said, well, thank you. He was not happy with my response. So the last night on, it was Valentine's Day, he came up to me at the table and he said, I think God wants me to reiterate this to you. And he got my napkin off the table and he played like he put something in it and he closed it up. And he says, God has a gift for you. It's really wonderful. I said, well, thank you. (laughs) So anyway, so I share that with our friend. And he said, wow, 
that really happened? I said, yes, that happened. And it was such a confirmation to him. You know, when you buy a house for someone, that's not like, you know, taking them out to dinner, you know, or paying their electric bill. And we always, I was very happy. You've been in the house we lived in for 36 years. It was small, 1,500 square feet, I believe, but it was very adequate. We did great raising the four kids. And he decided that we needed something uh, bigger and no mortgage payments because we always had to refinance our house to pay our credit cards for our airline tickets to travel. So he said, you haven't sent me any houses to look at. So when I told him about what happened on the ship and he was so excited. And so we start looking for houses and it's expensive to living in Tampa and we couldn't find a house that fit in the budget he gave. And our, our realtor friend, Linda, called and said she found the house and we said you sure she goes this is the house and so we were driving back from charlotte i believe and we met her at this house and she said this is it and so i said this looks a little bit too expensive she said it went on the market today and it's going to go fast so we came in and it was it was beautiful i've never had a garage in my life and i've always had this Thing that I would love to have a garage door opener. So we would drive up and I said, Bill, it's got a garage. <laughs> he laughed at me. And so anyway, we look and it, it's perfect. And not only does it have a garage, it has a heated swimming pool and a hot tub. We don't deserve anything like this, but Jesus and his love for his children, he, he is a more than enough God. He just absolutely has overwhelmed us. And that same weekend, this couple that I always, I like to take meals to people and cook for people. And we had friends and they were having some struggles with their health. And so I took meals over regularly. And one day um, Bill was sharing, he went and took the meals because I had to take a granddaughter for some oral surgery. And so he said, he, he's, the uh, fellow said, do you still have that uh, car that you had? And he said, yeah. I said, oh. And uh, so Bill left, and he calls Bill's cell phone. This is the same, right around the same months about when the house happened. And he said, Bill, can you come back a minute? And so Bill went back, and he said, um, Bill, could, you're moving. Could you use my truck? Would you? And Bill said, oh, I'd love to use your truck. And he goes, no, I mean, can I give you my truck? It was a beautiful Silverado truck, and and Bill was absolutely blown away. So in within you know a month, someone gave us a vehicle and a house. It just absolutely blew our mind that um, God, His faithfulness is just amazing. We've gone from uh, you know hardly able to make it to God giving us more than enough. So trust Him. And I love that you're now using this beautiful new house. Uh, that you have um, for ministry. God's led you into new ministry during this time uh, of your life. Now that your kids are grown and your, you know, grandkids are older, um, share how you're using that house to minister to others. Well, we do do counseling, but our main thing is that uh, we have house church here and we have some of the most amazing friends that we have coming and loving on each other and everybody that comes they're they're so thoughtful and they always are reaching out and caring for other people 
And one day, I'm in my old grocery store near where I used to live instead of coming to the one I am now. And I'm in line to check out. And here is this young mother in front of me with a baby asleep on her. She's trying to get everything out of her cart, but she couldn't reach. So I did what all of you listening would do. I just start taking everything out of the cart and putting it out for to go up to be paid for. So I'm looking and um, I would I had been looking. I was texting with someone. And so I didn't see that he was taking things out of her cart. So obviously she didn't have enough money to pay for it. So I just looked at him and said, just put that on my bill. When I was unloading everything, she said, she turned around with uh, tears in her eyes and she said, my mama would have been doing this, but I lost her in May. I said, oh, I hope you have a church or someone to help. And she said, I've started going to a church. And I said, well, good. As she sees that I'm paying for her groceries, she turned around and she said, well, what church do you go to? And so I told her about our house church and um, I gave her a card, a business card, and she showed up. Bill's out there directing traffic for people to park because we're in a cul-de-sac and we don't want to block anybody. And and uh, she said, is this Darlene Davis's house? And he said, you must be Jessica, because I had told him about my time at the grocery store. So she came and she had also, he was 12 at the time. I think he's now about turned 14. Micah, he is a wonderful young man. And then she has little Uriah, the baby. So they have become, uh, everyone loves on them. And uh, we're her family and she's our family. And about two months ago, three months ago, she walks in the door and I have a cousin that has been coming to house church and, um, or starting to come. And so she's in the kitchen. She comes early and helps me and she's an amazing cook. And cause I have dinner there for, uh, everyone and they bring, you know, sides and stuff. And so Jessica walks in and my cousin is standing in the kitchen with me. And I hear Jessica say, Melody. And Melody turns around and did not know who it was because she hadn't seen her, I think, in 18 years. And she says, I'm Jessie. And she goes, oh, my. My cousin Melody and her mother were nurses together at the same facility, best friends. And she would take Jessica with them on family vacation. She was like another daughter to them. My cousin lives in Lakeland. This is in Tampa. Tampa's huge. So don't for a minute think that we don't serve a sovereign God. To have me back a year and something before running into her in a grocery store. And then here she is running into someone that's like a second mom. And she said, she ne- the next morning, Jessica sent me a text and she said, I had, I have no family except my children. And here I have this house church and I love y'all, but to see Melody, who is like a mom to me, God has blessed me. And so just know that you might not know where you are and what you're going through, but God is going to use it no matter what. He is going to use whatever circumstances that you're in. He's going to do it. And I love that, you know, for all throughout scripture, kind of 
you know, the principle is that God blesses us to be a blessing to others. So that's right. You know, he poured out his blessing on you and Bill and you turned around and have been using it to bless others. It's such the way of God. Well, Darlene, through all the ups and downs and the good times and the bad times, what has kept your faith vibrant? I have an amazing relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you meet with him regularly, I mean, I just, I have to, when we travel, I have to get all my devotionals and just choose one or two because it weighs too much to take them all. And uh, I just know that staying in the word and, you know, letting him use you, be willing to listen if he's telling you to take a meal to somebody, if he's telling you, you need to call so-and-so there. If someone comes across your mind and you think, wow, I wonder why they're on, on my heart. You need to either drop a card or give them a call and say, you know, are you going through something? God has me praying for you. And we just need to do that. And when you do that, it just builds your faith. I mean, just like that with Jessica, I called her today and I said, Jessica, I'm going to be sharing your story on the podcast. And she got real excited. She, she's just a sweetheart. And, um, she texted me last week and she said, I, I just learned that if you know to do good and you don't do it, it's sin. I mean, I love it the way she is in the word. And, uh, she had been saved years ago, but she had not been where she needed to be. And God just has her where she needs to be. And she's precious. So So really digging into the word and then doing the word, like you said, got to be in the word, being in the word every day, doing what God says. Well, as we close, Darlene, would you share about a woman in the Bible who's inspired, encouraged, or taught you something? Yes. I love Abigail. You know, when I first read this, I did a teaching on it, and I haven't in years. And Bill said, I hope you're going to share about Abigail. And um, so Abigail, this is in 1 Samuel 25. If some of you are not real familiar with the story, you can go and, and read all the details. I'll just tell you why Abigail is so special to me. She was married to a man named Nabal, and they say about him that he was surly, mean and bad-tempered and unfriendly. So kind of sounds familiar, you know, how what God did with Bill uh, (laughs) when he was in that way. And um, it says that David and his men had been out in the fields near Carmel where Nabal was with all of his men. It was sheep shearing time. And so uh, David made sure that they were safe the whole time and nothing was gone from them. And so all their men were hungry, and so he sent uh, his ten of his men to David, um, to Nabal, and asked if he could send some supplies. And they said, we are uh, men from David's camp, and Nabal just brushed him off. He wouldn't do it, and um, the men went back, and David was mad that Nabal would be this way to him. And Ab- one of the servants went up to Abigail, knowing that she's this wonderful, godly woman, and told her what was happening. And David had told his men to put on their swords, we're going to go and destroy the entire house of Nabal. And so Abigail got together. I mean, I wrote it down. It's an amazing amount of food and wine. 
put them on donkeys to take them to the men. So David saw her coming and he told her, if you had not come to me, I was going to just wipe everybody out. And she said, but she told him, save yourself from bloodshed. So when you come into your kingship, you will not have blood on your hands. And uh, so she was wise woman. And so she went back, but it was, they were having a feast and Nabal was drunk. So she decided not to tell him anything till the next morning. So she went into him the next morning and um, she said uh, what she had done. She told them. And the fear came on him. And it says that uh, his heart died within him and he became as a stone. And that 10 days later, he struck Nabal and he died. And when David heard, he, he sent for Abigail to propose to her and become his wife. And Bill, the Lord did not kill Bill, but he changed his hard heart. And he put a heart like David in him. And God, just as he is faithful, back, just know that he's going to be faithful to you. Back in the Bible, all the places and people he was faithful, he is going to be faithful to you. Hang in there. Well, as we wrap up, I've been thinking about Darlene's story and Jesus' words in Matthew six twenty-five through 33 came to mind. Uh, the NIV reads, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you eat or drink or about your body, what you wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a day, a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how your heavenly father clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not also clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the ruin, for the world runs after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Wow, Darlene has seen God protect her and correct her and provide for her and care for her throughout her life. She's learned the beauty of seeking after God's kingdom as she spent diligently spent time with him, studying the Bible and talking to God and walking in his ways. And God has cared for all of her needs. So as we put him first in all the areas of our lives, we can be sure that he is going to take care of us as well. Darlene, would you take a moment and pray for everyone who listens to your amazing God story? Father, we are so grateful for your love, your great love for all your people, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that every woman that is listening to this, if she is in distress, if she's hurting, if she has been rejected, whatever state that she is in, Father, I ask that something that I said today would bring healing to her, Father, and that the enemy would be put at bay so that she can grow into the woman of God, the wife, the mother that you have intended for her to be, Father. 
use whatever we have gone through, whatever I've gone through, Lord, and you have brought me to victory. I ask that you would do the same because you have no favorites. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, friends, there are widows as well as orphans all over the world who need to experience the tangible expression of God's love right now. Many have special needs that we as a company of women, we can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to HerGodStory.org and click on the Widow and Orphan tab at the top of the page. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at HerGodStory.org, you'll find scriptures and other information we talked about. Don't forget to sign up for our emails and get a six-week devotional on women of the Bible that you can download for free. Or you may want to purchase a 12-week devotional on women of the Bible for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds will go to our Widow and Orphan Fund. We'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line, so give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Psalm 90, verse 14. May you be satisfied each morning with God's unfailing love so you may sing for joy all your days. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.